Hi, I'm Dennis. And I'm Linda. Welcome to the Next Gen Business Podcast. Let's go. The Next Gen Business Podcast is produced by the Small Business Community Network. Visit them online at www.sbcncanada.org. Well, Linda, how has your week been? You know, you don't want to ask. As you can probably see, I'm not in my own office. I'm in my daughter's office in Acton. Um, She has some health issues. If anybody wants to know what they are, they can always find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, anything like that. Um, So tonight I'm very, very excited to see your face, Dennis, because I need a friendly face at the moment. Great, Linda. Yes, um, um, I wish you all the best, you and your daughter all the best. Um, I, and tonight's guest is going to cheer you up a lot. Um, we've got a fascinating guest. Um, let me give you a little bit of information about her background. Laurie Strauss is the founder of Laurie Strauss Communications, a Kitchener-based agency offering B2B copywriting and content writing services, German translation, and PhD editing services. Now, Laurie's business has been operating since 2010. She's also a prolific writer of fiction as well as being a business owner. She's written several novelistic series, including the Between Worlds and Love on Belmont series, series, including the Between Worlds and Love on Belmont series, in which she explores issues like mental health and social issues. She's published more than 10 books, quite impressive. So Laurie, welcome to the Next Gen Business Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this evening. Great. Now, Laurie, uh, you're a successful business owner. You run this copywriting, content writing, translation, and editing agency, um, all of them are in some way linked to writing. Have you always been into writing? I always was, um, but there was a bit of a break, maybe almost 10 years in my life where I didn't think I was going to be a writer. Um, Because as a kid, I thought there were sort of two paths to being a writer. One was writing books, And one was becoming a reporter. And if I couldn't be Lois Lane, well, that was kind of out. And if I couldn't publish novels, and since I hadn't been discovered by the time I was 19, that was out. And so once you get to university and you're like drowning in reports and essays, you know, and like we're talking sort of mid 90s. So the Internet was like in its infancy. Right. So, you know, no online writing critique groups. And I certainly probably wouldn't have even joined one. Um, Novel writing was out the window. Where would I have gone for translation work? I would have had to like leave the country, you know, to find a job with a translation agency somewhere. So what I'm doing now, even owning my own business, was not even a thought when I went to university. So yes and no. <laughs> right. Now, I was also struck by the fact that um, you offer translation services. Um, in which languages? Um, I translate from German into English, not English into German, which kind of kerfuffles people a bit. That's interesting, Laurie. I'm so excited to meet you. Um, if I could just jump on what Dennis said in the introduction, um, you write about mental health or you've got some um, 
kind of work that you do with mental health? Um, I, I threaded it into um, my, like I thread it into my novels a bit because I've had my own struggles over the years. Um, I've got a pretty good handle on it for me um, at this point in my life. But with Between Worlds, when I started that series, it first became a, sort of a, a, I'll say, an inquiry into my family heritage. But the series morphed into um, how mental health had been treated, how, how, how mental health has changed over the generations. So one thread in the story is um, a World War I soldier from Eastern Europe and how mental health was for him a.k.a. any treatment was like non-existent versus how we view mental health today. And because that series, the books are organized such that the chapters alternate between a teen girl today and her great grandmother's a teen back then, you can see how it flip flops back and forth. So, and then the romance series, depending on the book, I've only got two books out right now. Third one I'll work on shortly, you know, depending on the book, it's in there a bit as well, but it's not quite, I wouldn't say it's a theme of the series. I mean, it is romance. You want to be taken away, you know, it's a, it's a different genre. But the YA series, yes. That's really interesting. So do you have your own publisher? Are you self-published? How do you get them out there? Um, I chose to self-publish, partly because I'm impatient. <laughs> um, but also Between Worlds, my family heritage is Germans from Eastern Europe, which is not a well-known group. Um, those in town might recognize the Schwaben Club, but outside of that, you, you wouldn't. And I just knew it was not going to be something that would find a publisher. It's not, it's not a sexy culture. Right? No one ever talked about the sexy German accent. Right? You don't. So it was. It's actually very fascinating, I think. Yeah, thank you. It was just something I wanted to get out there. And I do have editors, um, three of them, in fact, and I have a graphic designer. So I'm making it as professional as I can. My editors will tell me, nope, don't do this, do this, you've got problems here. And I didn't listen to my main editor at the very beginning. I'm now going back and fixing that first book. And I'm also working on book nine at the same time. So, you know, she was right. I was wrong. I should have listened to her, but it was 2018 and I want to get the idea out there. So it happens. So That's a great story um, about your your writing and your fiction, right? Uh, your f interest in fiction. Uh, you've been running your business for well over a decade, since 2010. Um, have you noticed any differences um, in the way copywriting and content trends have changed over this time, Laurie? Um, well, like, I, I started out freelancing and I started out as with just writing magazine articles. That was something I could do on the side while working full time. And then I, I worked more into copywriting which technically is writing copy for advertisements. But these days I'm finding a lot of people use copywriting and content writing almost interchangeably. So for the purposes of our talk today, if I use them interchangeably, I mean the same thing. Um, yeah. So I'm almost going to say no, which is not a very accurate answer. Um, the, re the reason I'm saying that is yes, social media has grown exponentially. Yes. TikTok has come to the fore. Yes. Video as a form of content is becoming more popular. Um, people are complaining about the lack of attention span these days, but you know, when it comes right down to it, newspaper articles have almost always been short. When was the last time that somebody watched, you know, the six o'clock news and they took 10 minutes to announce what the prime minister was announcing. They never 
prime minister's announcements never start off with the prime minister entering the room, sitting down, opening his binder, listening to his aide, looking at the binder, closing the binder, standing up, and then making the announcement. They just start with the headline. What does social media do? Good social media starts with the headline, right? It's just a different form of media. So in that sense, perhaps there's a heavier push on social media, but when somebody wants more information, they'll still look for that well-written blog post. I just um, listened to a webinar from a social media management company uh, recently, and they had advertised the webinar as how to um, incorporate SEO, so, so uh, search engine optimization strategies into your social media. But they inadvertently, or I don't know how it happened, they focused on just Gen Z. So those born, I believe, from 1995 onwards, but before Alpha Generation. I, I'm losing track of the generations myself. It's getting a bit silly. Um, so, you know, focus on Gen Z and TikTok. And I'm like, but you advertised everybody right and so yes some people like certain groups certain generations are searching differently in terms of where they're finding their information but it comes right back down to you need to know who your target audience is and where they're looking for their information you know when my grandfather was alive he knew how to use a digital camera and yes i had to sit down and watch the thousand photos from his trip to australia right you know? <laughs> like to say that because someone's born from between this year and that year, and therefore this is how they search, there are trends for sure. But that's not always going to be true for everybody in that group. You still have to do your market research. You still have to find out where they get their information. You still have to communicate from person to person. That hasn't changed. It never will. So, Laura, do you find it more difficult today as a copywriter to get the clients that you prefer versus the client that maybe choose you? Because sometimes, you know, we can get the wrong clients, can't we? And we don't particularly want to work with them, but depending on how much work we've got, if we need to pay the bills. So are you finding it easy to get the kind of clients that you really prefer? Um, it's actually a bit of a hard question to answer, only because when I was freelancing, um, the referrals sort of seemed to come at the right time. And I rarely had a bad client. And it's not that I have suddenly like this slew of bad clients. My clients are excellent. But the ones that came and then kind of left or didn't work out, um, they were either hit by the pandemic fairly hard, um, but not in the way that you'd expect. Um, one, for example, for life of him, could not find really good employees to look after parts of his business that took precedence over his content marketing plans. Um, in another case, not pandemic related whatsoever, there's a lot of restructuring going on. So content marketing, you know, that got shoved to the side. So things like that pretty much happen. And now that I'm growing and trying to attract more clients, you're going to have just by probability, you know, more clients that aren't quite as beneficial to your business. Right. So what are, what are some of the mistakes that you see businesses making with the content that they put out or with their content marketing strategies? Um, I'm surprised I haven't gone gray from in these unprecedented times. Right? I just, and and it's, not, it's not COVID. Like I saw that when there was a recession. I see that when they're complaining about, you know, trying to save money, when it's hard to find the right employees. And I... I, I like my father had been running the family dealership for, I don't know, 40 years. 
still having a hard time finding the right employees. Like it's, you know, and I think even his father, so the grandfather with the digital camera, um, he was complaining about finding the right employees. Like there has never been a time where it was easy to find the right employees. I know right now it's excessively hard because the pandemic has left quite a few people disabled and such. I understand this particular moment, but in the grand scheme of life, it's been difficult to find strong employees for your business. Fine. My employee's awesome. But <laughs> when you've got a large company with hundreds of people, you're going to have a harder time. I get that. Okay, fine. So when you're – don't stop starting the, – one of the biggest mistakes I find is, and it's an obvious one, is starting whether it's social media post, blog post, any type of writing with such a general comment that even though you might have a really important point to make, it's not in those first few sentences. I mean, if you look just at your Instagram feed – You've got your image or your video, but then you've got like a line and a half that is supposed to grab someone's attention. So if they actually click on that, you know, more to expand the post. And if it starts with, you know, something very general, they're going to keep going. Right. LinkedIn is the same. You've got a bit more space. But if it's in these unprecedented times, you know, clients today are trying to save money. Really? <laughs> when is someone not trying to save money? When are they trying, when are they not trying to make it more efficient? When are they not trying to expand it? Like, fine, once in a while you may not want to expand your business, I'll grant you that. But most of the time, companies are trying to grow, earn more money, save more money, be more efficient, find the right employees. Like, give me something concrete. The other one that's harder to spot, and I don't rant about it because it's harder to spot, um, and you find it with, um, with, writers who are less experienced and that can be a small business owner, especially who's trying to save money by creating their own content is when they do what's called burying the lead. So what should be at the top of your blog post, for example, or at the beginning of your video at the top of maybe a longer LinkedIn post and you put it further down. The, the easiest way to spot this is if you are a chronological writer, you start with, I got into the office this morning, saw my boss, and that's when I realized X. Or when I picked up my coffee, I noticed that you go through this whole descriptive thing, talk about when you realized your decision, and then describe the decision. The decision should be at the top, right? When you that, If you find you're doing that kind of writing, you're taking all this time to get to your point, um, and you're talk, describing your point, describing how you got to the point, that's the point. <laughs> when you're describing how you got to the point, you're probably a chronological writer, stop, and put the point at the top. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, what, what I'm finding, because I'm like you, um, Laurie, I I managed to build my first business and part of the second business, the SBC, um, you know, without social media. And in, in the heyday of social media, a lot of large organisations came to me because I was writing my blog posts in a way that wasn't salesy, but I was getting a lot of work out of it. And I'm not a content writer. I'm not, you know, a professional like you, but I just write as a conversation. And I was telling Dennis once, I got an awful lot of work from a lot of well-known companies. What I didn't like about it was I was specifically having to write in an order that, that led to selling and sales. So it was good bread and butter money to keep me going, but I prefer not to do that. And then I noticed that the influencers came along and now they're slowly working. the Well, I think the organisations are realising their employees, the really good ones, 
are offering better social media content because they really believe in the organisation than paying an influencer to do it. And I'm happy about that because uh, as a member of the public, and, and I want to give my loyalty, say, to, well, I do, I give my, my loyalty to a lot of organisations, but basically Mini, you know, Mini Canada, I love my Mini, this is my fourth one. You know, if they were using people other than their employees to, to share their content, I wouldn't believe in it anymore because a social media person, sorry, an influencer is being paid to do it. So that that's my thought on the content that's going on on social media. Um, I don't know that I'm lucky or what, but I built my brand before I knew somebody like you. So I'm probably not doing my content properly. It just seems to yield me a lot of um, business because I've built the trust in the brand. Would that make sense, Laurie? It does. And I mean, using... Everyone calls them influencers or popular people. It drives me nuts when we create a new name for the popular kid in the class um, or in the high school, right? It, it's they're just popular people. Um, if that person aligns with your brand and has access to potential clients who would be good for your business, the difference between paying for them to advertise for you versus paying, you know, to show up as a Super Bowl commercial, which is probably a lot more expensive, right? Like. There's nothing wrong with that, but if there is no alignment, then there's no point in paying them. Um, but I think you're, and if they have a good fan base who loves what they say, then they will trust that person. But if your content, your authentic content that's coming from your employee base who loves what you're doing and believes in your company is producing that, then go with it. I mean, technically they're also being paid by you. So people might think, oh, they're being paid like, you know, like either way, someone's being paid to say nice stuff about your company. But as long as it all aligns with your company and people trust it, that's what you're looking for. It's the alignment. The key factor and partly, possibly, this is one reason why um, you were successful with your your content marketing, Linda, um, is the human authenticity, the sense that a real human is behind what is being expressed uh, through this content. Would you say that that's true, Laurie? Yeah. You, at the end of the day, you there's business jargon if I ever said it, if there ever was one. <laughs> you, you want, the reason why I, I sell, my, sell myself, sell my company as human-centered content creation is that's what I want to emphasize. I want to get rid of this unprecedented times and that kind of business jargon. Um, there's this one speech on YouTube, and I'd encourage your listeners to look it up. It's by the International Association of Business Communicators, and it's called Worst Speech in the World. It's about 10 years old now, sadly still very relevant. It's hilarious. What they had done is I think for about one month, six weeks, I forget, they'd ask their social media followers to send them the worst business jargon, worst business communication they had ever heard, like from internal communiques and stuff like that. Nothing sensitive, just how their bosses talked and everything. Share that with their, on social media, their followers shared that. And then I think he's the president. He might be a VP within the organization. He put it together and he actually made a speech that kind of sounds like he's saying something, but if you pay attention, he's saying nothing. Right? So and you, yes, and the human element is gone because he's not saying something. Um, I was recently looking at a company's website for um, possibly buying their product for my, my company and I was looking at their case studies. And within that case study, they were highlighting company 
and I had to write this down. Um, this company specializes. Uh, they help their they help cl- how to put it, clients. They help clients with insights and capabilities that boost their freedom to achieve superior results through a unique way of working. And I was like, what? What does that even like? What is that? What right? So yes, when your employees who are not content marketers. When they talk about some, I am coming back to your question, <laughs> but I need to give examples first because part of the thing about communicating human to human is that we come up with examples to talk about what's important to us. We use language that is not market marketing speak. Um, and so when your employees talk about the company, the difference usually between an employee talking about the company that's paying them and the influencer talking about a company that's paying them aside from the status difference, is that the employee will use language that is natural to them, whereas an influencer, popular person, will use language they have learned through analyzing their data that will reach a wide audience. And to a certain extent, nothing wrong with that. In the grand scheme of life, you're trying to make money through content marketing, an influencer's done it well, hats off to them. Lots of us trying to do that. But human to human, I think ultimately that's what we're really trying to find. The influencers at some point in time will have to move on because they've got nothing else. People get bored with that. They're done. But you want your company to live on, employ people, contribute to the world, you know. Yeah. Okay. Let's move the uh, discussion to networking. Um, What role does networking play in your business? How do you use it uh, with your business? And if so, what networks do you belong to? So um, networking for me is a bit of a two-pronged approach. Um, for Because I have Laurie Strauss Communications, and then I have my books, which um, are sort of all grouped together under my maiden name, Laurie Wolf Hefner, partly for branding. Um, and also because that's the name I chose myself. whole different story we can go into if we have time and if you feel like you want to. Um, so Laurie Strauss Communications, I just network mostly locally, like within the chamber. And we do have a neighborhood networking association, but for some reason they meet on the last Monday of the month and the end of the month is really busy for me. So I have never been able to make it out because by Monday night I'm exhausted and I just want to like sit in front of the TV with my family and hang out. So I do want to make it out, but I find local networking is kind of nice because you have something in common, people are trying to support local businesses and it avoids all the digital noise because no matter what kind of content you provide, what kind of content you produce, there is digital noise that you do have to cut through regardless of what hashtags you use and it takes time. Laura, you seem very well informed. I wish I'd have met you before. You're absolutely amazing. I love the way you talk. One question I've got for you is, what is it about your brand that stands out that continues to offer you work you know people to pay you clients do you know that one thing about your brand that really resonates with your clients do you think or your target market the feedback i get from my clients and the reason why they refer me to their connections is that we deliver almost always on time no one's perfect um and we also give them what they're looking for but at the same time, if we think what they're doing might not be the best decision, we'll offer feedback. If they say, no, we still want it this way, we'll give it to them the way they want it. 
So would you say you're very authentic, authentic's part of your brand, reliability, and also you're creating, what word am I looking for? There's another word, isn't there, Dennis? So I would say authenticity, reliability, but there's another word there in the brand, isn't there, Dennis? What is it? I suppose uh, sincerity in the sense that um, you are offering a degree of kind of um, honesty uh, or integrity, perhaps. Integrity, like... Integrity, that's a really good word. Yeah, that's a really, really... And this is so amazing for our listeners, isn't it, Dennis? Because basically they, they struggle with this. Really. They say, well, you've been in business a long time. You know, you're an amazing person. How did you do it? But you built up your brand and you built up your integrity, your authenticity, and also you create... You're making it easier for them to carry on with their business and be profitable because you're giving them good advice. So for our listeners, I mean... I think that's what they should start off by doing instead of just trying to sell immediately and say, I'm good at what I do. Because, Laurie, be honest, did you become successful overnight? <laughs> I would love to be able to tell you yes and then figure out what the formula was because then I'd make millions, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You are adorable. I'm so glad I met you virtually. I really am. Thank you. <laughs> Dennis, you've been keeping her a secret. How did you guys how did you guys meet? Dennis, do you have a story? We actually met through a network. We both belong to um I think we both belong to the freelance uh guild, Canadian Freelance Guild, right? Yes. But then I stopped being a freelancer, so didn't feel right to become be a member anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you carried on. The relationship, which is what I love, which is a big part of networking. I always tell people, if you would attend an event and you don't like the event, for goodness sake, make some good connections. Google them, find out who they are, get to know them. And if it doesn't work out, just walk away. It's really simple. And the people who don't bother doing that, never again. I mean, Dennis, we met through the Small Business Centre when we were hosting meetings there, the Small Business Green Network. And we just chatted, didn't we? And we stayed in touch and... I mean, I think we've built a friendship as well, Laurie, as well as a business relationship, which is what I love, you know? Yes, that's beautiful, isn't it, when that happens, right? Yeah, but you're quite funny. And I'm not saying funny in a bad way. You're very humorous. You make me laugh. <laughs> you're not boring. You're not kind of... Oh, my, my kids might disagree with you, but... <laughs> no, seriously, you've got a really good way about you. I love it. It's a big part of your brand. I think, what do you think, Dennis? Um, with Laurie, because I've known her over the years, she, um, the word I would use for her is just that she's solid. Like she's a solid person. Like she's, um, she's just, you know, very solid, solid foundations, right? Uh, she's not fly by, you know, she's not a flighty sort of person. She's uh, very dependable and uh, yeah, very, uh, very solid. That's the best word I can say. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I needed a chuckle. I need to laugh. Um, I don't know whether either of you ever ever heard a speaker who's really good at the analytics and the PowerPoint, but they're so boring you don't want to listen to them. You know, I can listen to you forever. You love late. It's so nice to you know to get to know you. Anyway, Laurie, um, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how would they uh, get in touch with you? What's the best way? Um, probably going to um, my main website, lauriestraussecommunications.com. I'll spell my name. 
L-O-R-I-S-T-R-A-U-S. That's one S at the end. So lauristraussecommunications.com. Okay, well, Laurie, I really want to sincerely thank you for your time with us. And it's been a pleasure, as usual, talking to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to meet Linda finally. And it was nice to see you again, Dennis. Thanks for listening. Check us out at www.nextgenbusinesspodcast.com.